Thank you, Debbie. I'm going to wrap up our series today on the seven churches. Of course, we've already talked about the seven churches that are in the book of Revelation. So today we're going to ask, what if? This is one of those deals where we really, I think, have to take a step back and be honest with ourselves. What if Christ had written a church to Hartford? What if Hartford was one of those seven churches? What if it was the eight churches, and now we're going to include, right next to Smyrna and Sardis and Ephesus, Hartford? What would he say about us? What do you say? We're a church of a few hundred happy people and a few soreheads? I mean, that's something that we all get a kick out of. I love when we travel, going down to Florida. Oh, we're from Hartford, the home of 2,000 happy people and a few soreheads. Everybody laughs about it. We get to tell them about the sign. But really, if we were to think about that with our congregation, our church, that wouldn't be something we would necessarily want to be known as, would it? The home of some people with some bad attitudes. No, we want to be known as the church that is trying to do right by God, the church that is following that path of righteousness. We, we would want to be known as the church that is alive and is taking advantage of open doors and opportunities, that is dedicated. That's what we would want to be known as, of course. But what would Jesus say? Because all those seven churches that we've talked about Imagine if the week before they got that letter, they were asked that same question. Do you think that those seven churches would be like, oh, we're the church that needs to repent. Oh, we're the church that has struggled with sin. Oh, we're the church that, that has been too liberal. Oh, we're the church that has been too legalistic. Of course not. None of them would have said that. I'm confident of that. A lot of times, some of our biggest weaknesses are not being able to accept what our biggest weaknesses are. Because if you know what your weakness is, what are you going to do? If you know what you struggle with, what are you going to do? You're going to do your best to defeat it. You're going to do your best to put that sin behind you, to get over whatever bad thing it may be, to get over whatever poor attitude or behavior we might have, and repent from it. What if? Now, it's been in the bulletin a couple weeks. I've hoped, I hope that you have asked yourself this question. What, what would Christ say to us? I think, in my own personal opinion, I think he would say some good things about us, and I think he would probably set us straight at some things too. If you want me to be honest, that's what we're going to preach about today. So I think he would probably, just like with all other seven churches, he talked about convictions, complacency, and he, got, he gave them all some counsel. So what would he say, church, about our conviction about us saying, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, He is my Savior, and the only way at eternal life, at salvation, at forgiveness. The only way. Well, what would he say about the conviction of Hartford Christian Church or, or, or the commitment that we have? Hebrews 10, 23-25 will be our first scripture. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Without, without wavering. That's how we have got to be, church. That's how we've got to be. Going on with the verse. For God can be trusted to keep 
his promise. Look, that's what we got to hold tight to. We've got to trust him. We've got to hold tight to the fact that we trust God, not ourselves, not ourselves. Look, part of our conviction, every church ever, listen, listen, every church ever, the older people have said, we don't know what they do if they don't have us. Older people, guess what? They said the same thing about you when you were younger. Yes, they did. I promise you they did. Every church ever said that. Look around to the younger generation. We've got younger families here every Sunday, every week. We've got new faces. Conviction. That's what we need to pass on to them. Conviction of how important it is to have Jesus Christ as your Savior every day of your life. Every day. There's, we don't need to pass on the importance of how we're going to sing a hymn or whether we're going to use a drum set or whether we're going to have a trumpet. That's not what we need to pass along. We need to pass along the conviction that Jesus is the Son of God. Are we doing that? Let's go on with the verse. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love, of good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Encourage one another. Acts of love, good works, motivation. Are we doing that for each other? We got to bridge this gap, y'all. We really, really got to bridge this gap and look at what our priorities are in this church and where our focus is, what we should be doing next. We'll get to some more of that later. And that's what that verse says. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you today it's going to come down to our behavior. And our belief. Our, is our behavior matching our belief? We say that we're Christians. We say that they'll know that we are Christians by our love. We say that as Christians, we know that we've got to have the fruit of the Spirit. It's not just some song about a banana. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That goes for every single person here. And it goes for your behavior towards every other single person here. Does our behavior match our belief? Ask yourself that. Ask that about our church. If our conviction is in the right place, then our behavior should match our belief. If we say that we believe in Jesus Christ, then there is a certain behavior that we must have. That goes with it. How are they going to know we're Christians, like it says in the book of 1 John? How are they going to know? By how we're acting. By how we're behaving. That's how they're going to know. It's evident. By our love. Remember the church that they talked about. They thought they were alive, but they're dead. Let me ask you now, what's our pulse? What's the pulse of our church right now? Church, are we alive or are we dead? Are we thriving or are we dying? Look, maybe the attendance isn't what it was even three years ago. First of all, number one, that can change. In a heartbeat, in an instant. But if we don't have the conviction, it is pointless. It doesn't matter. It's not about people being here. It's not about a number. Let me tell you something, too. That's hard for a preacher to say. Because I want this place filled up every week. I don't know if you all knew this or not, but I have a little bit of an ego. <laughs> Who said amen? <laughs> 
delete that from the tape. But you know what else? So did every preacher ever. Every preacher that's ever stood here has had a little bit of an ego. We want the place filled up. Absolutely. I make no apologies for that. Now, here's where I would have to apologize. If I want this place filled up just where I can go up the street and say, look, I got the biggest church in town. Big deal. Big deal. Where we want to make sure we are in line with is I want this place filled up because I want people to hear about my Savior. I want people to hear about Jesus. And I want them to be equipped to go and tell someone else about Jesus. I want them to be equipped to go and behave accordingly to our beliefs. Because if you're not doing that, nobody's going to want to come here. If you guys are not going to have good attitudes and, and behave appropriately, who's going to want to come to church with you? Nobody. And I wouldn't blame them. We've got to act on our beliefs with our behavior. And that comes down to standing firm. We've got to stand firm in our faith. What's the big picture here? It's us saying, I believe and I'm going to stand on that principle till the day that I die. It's us saying, I believe and I'm going to stand firm in that faith. And no matter what the government may say, no matter what society may say, no matter what the guy up the street may say, I believe in the word of God. And that's what we've got to stand firm on. This right here. What does it say? Let's not add to it. Let's not take away from it. What does it say? Actually, we've got to stand firm on these convictions. So what are we doing, church? If, they, if Christ wrote us a letter, what would he say about our conviction? Would he say that we're standing firm? Boy, I sure hope so. And I think, I think that he would with some. What do we say about our complacency? Would he mention it? Would he say, hey, church, you're a little complacent sometimes? Maybe, maybe focusing on the wrong things sometimes? Revelation 2, 4 and 3, 15. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Remember that day you first decided to follow Jesus? That's where we've got to be always. I know all the things you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. Folks, we don't want to be cold because he knows what he does when we get lukewarm. He spits us out. Now, are we being a lukewarm church? Because we've got work to do, and sometimes I don't see it happening. Sometimes I see too much inner focus and not enough taking advantage of these two O words, opportunity and open door. There's an open door at this church for every service, for anybody that may want to come in here and worship with us. But you know what else? We have an opportunity in this community. You know why I want to have a homecoming fest? Because I want to get people in our community in our parking lot. Step one. I want to get this place filled up with people. And if we have to bring in bouncy houses, if we have to give away some pumpkins, if we have to grow pumpkins and let people come look at our huge pumpkins that we grew... Or, or, or chili. I want the entire community to know that there's going to be a, a whole bunch of really good chili here. And I want them to know if they want to come in and, and, and put their chili into our chili cook-off. Come on! Because we want them here. Now, when we get them in the parking lot, what are we going to do? We're going to show them our beliefs by our behavior. 
We're going to welcome them in. We're going to say, hey, we're so glad you're here. And we're going to invite them to come to church where we can tell them even more about Jesus. There's a purpose to everything that we do here like that. And if there's not, we need to rethink it and not be complacent. It's okay to try things that are new. It never hurts to ask. Last week I was in Disney World. That was a really good vacation for my wife and kids. Preacher came back tired. <laughs> but coming off one of the rides, what was it called? Test track. Oh, uh, you know me. Disney World, they're real good about letting you talk to their people, their, their, their cast members, the people that are running the rides. And we're getting off the ride, and I say, there's a big, long line, an hour wait for this ride. And I, 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 the, the guy that was running the ride, I was like, you know what, that was so much fun. Can we just stay here and get back on the ride? Totally joking with the guy. And he says, yeah, sure, come on. And he took us up and around to get back on the ride. And then Maggie said, Daddy, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> so Amy and Levi went on the ride again. I was just being silly with the guy, of course, but you know what? They went on the ride twice in a row. It never hurts to ask. Now let me ask you. Are you asking people to church? Are you telling people? It sure never hurts to ask. It, it never hurts. We're always afraid of that rejection. We're always afraid of how the world may respond to us when we tell them about our faith. But if we don't ask, how do we know? If we're not taking advantage of that open door, that opportunity, how will we know? And if you're not taking advantage of that open door and that opportunity, then you need to reinvestigate your faith because you don't understand the importance. What's our purpose? Our purpose is to get people to know about Jesus. So let me ask you, are we about no change? Or are we about changing lives? This is an obvious question. From day one when I got here, almost four years ago, you know what was a really bad word to use? Change. Well, you know what I got to say to you right now if you think that change is a bad word? Get over it. Because let me tell you something. There's one thing that we're never going to change. Look at the front of your bulletin. Jesus Christ never changes, ever. Yesterday, today, or forever, we cannot change him. But you know what? We may change some music along the way, as long as it's worshiping him. We may change a certain style along the way, as long as we're focused on him. We may change a service time along the way. The fact is, anything that we have changed, it's not really been a big deal, because I know that most of you want to get people in here to know about Jesus. So let me ask you now. If your main priority, if your main concern is to make sure that nothing ever changes in this church, you're not going to win that battle. Things will always change. Things will always continue to change. Imagine how the Pharisees must have felt whenever Jesus came in and changed a whole bunch of stuff real quick. Listen, we're not changing things like that. We're talking about little small things that we are changing along the way to, to entice people. To encourage them, to motivate them to come in here, to tell them about Jesus. How are we going to do that? With kindness, with optimism. No more complaining. Guys, and listen, listen to me. Cut it out. Do you understand what your complaining does to people? 
what it does to our leaders? Do you have any idea? And about what? About what? There's just a handful of you that are sore heads. But you know what? I'm tired of you bringing our leadership down. And I won't tolerate it anymore. It cannot happen. Because we've got good men here. We've got good people here that are trying to do their best to push forward with our church, to reach people for Christ. And if you've got something to complain, i got a brick wall out back you can direct that complaint to. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I've told our elders. Quit taking the complaints. Quit doing it. Redirect it. Now, church members, let me talk to you for a second. If someone comes to you and says, well, I don't like, well, i got a complaint. Here's a couple things you could do. Number one, you could say this. Yeah, you're right. I don't recommend that. What you instead could do is shower it with kindness. Come back with optimism. How about the things that are good? Or you could say, hey, you know what? Cut it out. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Have you missed our priority? Have you missed our purpose? Is it for no change? Or is it for changed lives? If you've ever complained about something along these lines, I think you need to think about it. Maybe even some apologies are in order. But you know what? We're going to move forward. And what I'm going to say to you as Christians now is stop it. Stop ignoring your responsibility. Your responsibility to lead, your responsibility to reach out to this community. If your focus is right here, you're missing the point. If your focus is with your behavior out there, you're starting to catch on a little bit. Stop ignoring your responsibility as a Christian to behave according to your beliefs. Stop ignoring your responsibility to get to know some of these new young families that we have in our church. Guys, this congregation has changed in the last three and a half years. Have you not noticed? It's not about who was here 20 years ago. It's about who is here right now. Look around. Look around. Stop ignoring the responsibilities. Have some conversation starters. Disney World, everybody's got a, a name tag on. It says their name and where they're from. And you know what? I've thought about doing a name tag Sunday in here a time or two. And I thought, you know what? Some of these old soreheads won't even put that name tag on, is what I thought. I think I've probably mentioned before that I wish some of y'all moved pews every once in a while. Have you done it? A couple of you. And if you haven't, why not? Are you afraid of this side? They're good people. They are. Are you afraid of this side? They're decent. (laughs) Half the church didn't show up next week. (laughs) They're good people too. It's okay. We are a church Family, don't ignore your responsibility. Those conversation starters. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's about a sports team. Maybe it's about quilting. Maybe it's about cooking. Maybe it's about having a chili cook-off. Start. Stop ignoring your responsibilities. Start making these conversations happen. Start inviting people to church. What would Christ do with our counsel? How would he counsel us? What would he say to us? What was his advice to be? Remember, he's going to give us advice. He's not going to force us to do anything. What, was it, what, what, what would his advice be to us? How would he counsel us? Revelations 3, 18 through 20. I advise you. 
I correct and discipline everyone I love. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I will come in. What's he going to say to us? Repent. Rededicate. Repent. If your priorities, if your purpose, if you have gotten these blinders on and you've forgotten what we're supposed to do as Christians, repent. If you have gotten into this little rut of thinking, I'm the best Christian ever, I'm going to say rededicate. Rededicate your life to him, to serving him, to serving him. Y'all, not yourself, not me, not this church. Definitely not this building. As a congregation, let's serve him. Let's rededicate today. What's our priority? Is it me or is it him? Proverbs 21, 21 says this. Whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. Are we pursuing that righteousness? Is my priority in this church about me and the way I want it? Or is it about him and serving him and reaching out for him and being obedient to him? Because, folks, this isn't Mikey Christian Church or any of your name Christian Church. This is the Christian church that belongs to Jesus Christ. I don't care if you've been here a hundred years. It's his church still. It is. That's why we're here. That's why it was founded. That's why it was started. That's why we continue today. And that's why I guarantee you that we will continue here for a long, long time to come. We got work to do, though, because there's lost people. There's a guy that just walked up the street a second ago. My ADD kicked in. I wanted to watch him all the way. I wanted to run out the door and shout at him, Hey, get in here, man! We got good news! We got good news. I don't want to see anybody walk by here. I don't want to see anybody not in the church on a Sunday morning worshiping God. What's our priority? Is it me or him? Let's stop ignoring our responsibilities and start worrying about the right things. Listen to me. When I say worrying about the right things, we know that we don't, we don't have anything to worry about. We're going to cast all our cares on him. There's no reason for us to have any kind of anxiety at all when we put our hope and trust and faith in Christ Jesus. But I'm talking about worrying as in focusing. Where's my attention going to be? Let's start worrying about the right things. What can we do next as a congregation to get somebody in here? To tell them about Jesus. You know what? I would rather us go and tell people about Jesus than anything else in the world. We've got good programs here. There's always somebody that wants something different. That's how it goes in any church ever. We've got decent people that are working these programs. We've got good, wholesome, decent people. Now what are we going to do? Sit here and look at each other? Because what we need to be doing is looking at that guy. Or that family up the street. People that need the Lord. Our responsibility. Let's start worrying about the right things here. If you're worried about something that happened five years ago, get over it. Get over it. I'm sorry if anybody's ever had their feelings hurt here. I really, really am. I've, I've had my feelings hurt here too, a time or two. 
quite honestly. Some, some people that think they know more than me. Right? They, they, and they'll let you know. Some people say, you can't preach. Some people say, you don't know what you're doing. Some people say, did you really get a Bible college education? Seriously? And you think I'm kidding. That hurts. Now what am I going to do? Am I going to sit and pout about it for five years? Or am I going to get over it and move on because i got work to do, because i got responsibilities as a Christian? That's what we're going to do. Now get on board with me. Because we got work to do. Start worrying about the right things. So in conclusion today, at the end of every letter, Christ talks about the words I can have. He talks about the overcomers or those that will be victorious. So let me ask you, church, would we overcome? Will we overcome? I don't know about you, but I know one thing for sure. Yes, you can. Yes, you most certainly can. But we've got to get our act together. We are on the verge right now, folks, whether you realize it or not, of great things happening. Now, you can sit there and you can disagree with me all you want. Fine. Go for it. Or you can believe me. But the only way that we're on the verge of great things happening is if you all stop worrying about the past and start looking to the future and what we can accomplish here. We just got to do these things. We got to love Listen, obey, victory, and encourage. We're going to listen to the word of God. We're going to obey it. And with that, we are going to experience victory. And the only way we're going to continue that is if we continue to encourage each other all the time. Be an everyday Christian every day. Again, I say, can you do it? Yeah, you can. Now, will you? Will you? I hope that you've heard me today. Because if you have, maybe today is the day that we can start trucking forward at full speed. Gears working. All cylinders pumping. Ready to move. Folks, it's right here. It's right here. Opportunity. Open door. But it's our responsibility. Would you please bow with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for our church, our church family. Help us, Lord, just now to understand how important us having good attitudes is. Help us to understand now, Lord, the incredible importance it is for us to recognize our responsibility. Help us right now, Lord, to realize that it's not about me, but it's about you. Help us, Lord, just now to realize that there's none of us that are guardians of the old way, but that instead we need to be looking only to your way. Lord, we're so sorry for getting our priorities mixed up sometimes. Lord, we, we know that it can be so easy for us to do, but yet we're ashamed of the fact that sometimes we do it. Lord, help us to rededicate just now as we repent from those ways. Help us to rededicate our lives to serving you, to realizing what great potential you've given us here with a giant open door, with opportunity written on top of it. Lord, help us right now to go forward with confidence, knowing our convictions, 
not being complacent in any way, but instead understanding the urgency. Lord, help us to accept and obey your counsel. Ask all these things in the most awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen.